0: Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is June 16th. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. Uh, We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at DGasper24. Matt is at MKUMatt13. Lots of stuff to talk about here with the Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, there hasn't been too much in terms of good news to talk about. But in the little bit that is good news, Craig Council, Matt, Brewers manager, has reached five hundred and sixty-four career wins, making him the winningest manager in Brewers franchise history. So round of applause Craig Council. Finally getting it. It took long
1: enough, Matt. Yeah it did. Um and yet he still did it in over 100 games less than uh, Bill. Phil Garner did. Tying the record, of course, seeing as Phil Garner didn't get 564 wins. Craig Council did, but well-deserved. We knew it was going to happen. Unfortunately, this long losing streak delayed it much longer than Brewers fans would have liked. Brewers fans would have loved to have, uh, have seen that at home. Um, unfortunately, yeah, that, been that didn't nice. happen, but... Uh, we had, he ends up getting the record, the sole record on the road against the New York Mets, who are the best team in uh, the National League. So that's at least something to be said. And did it in a flourish too. Scored a heck of a bunch of runs yesterday uh, in a ten to one, ten to one, ten to. He didn't score a second one, right? Yeah,
0: ten to two. Yeah, they got they got a second it, one yeah. in the ninth or
1: something. Oh, that's right. That's right. It it got late. I I started forgetting things. But uh, yeah, they end up. Uh, uh, going out with a flourish and gets a nice little uh, ice bath and beer bath uh, along the way and yeah it needed to happen for sure and glad it finally did
0: yeah it it as you said it, it took long enough um, but yeah still 110, 120 some games faster than Phil Garner um, essentially a whole because so, Phil Garner had 8 seasons and this is a 7th for Craig, um, so it just goes to show how bad those 1990s (laughs) Brewers were. The dark ages of Brewers baseball, and now we are in the golden age. Despite what many people on Twitter may try to tell you, this is the golden age of Brewers baseball. Four straight postseason appearances, Craig Council at the helm for all of them. That is not a coincidence, people. So despite this losing stretch that they've been in, the eight-game losing streak and everything else, uh, this is still the right man for the job, 100%. Um, and this has been the greatest run of success in Brewers franchise history.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine that there are far too many people out there um, saying – Council needs to be fired. I mean, they're the types of people who are never going to be happy with any coach or manager ever who is anything short of a championship. But, man. I and just, even then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even then. Uh, the, the second won the World Series one.
0: <laughs> in six games. Yeah, like,
1: exactly. <laughs> pulling so, a Jason
0: Alexander.
1: <laughs> Speaking I, of. No. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, But it despite those types of people out there, what Craig Council has done over the last few years, yes, he's had a good amount of talent. Uh, he's had an MVP on his team. He had a Cy Young winner last year. Um, he's had guys there, but he's also had to navigate through plenty of injuries uh, in certain seasons. He's had to navigate through said MVP, just losing it. Um Injuries, rule changes, all those different things, and yet he always seems to find a way to put the right group on the field, to win more often than not, to have some of the best clubhouse chemistry that you will see around the league, and continue just going to the playoffs. I mean, it's just plain what he does, and the fact that this man does not own a Manager of the Year award yet is just ridiculous, just ridiculous.
0: Absolutely, 100% agree. He should have him by now. But there's always someone that's more of a surprise that comes up, like uh, Gabe Kapler comes in and and takes it. It's it's not that Gabe Kapler's not deserving, but I I think Craig Council with the Manager of the Year Award is very similar to Lorenzo Cain and the Gold Mm -hmm. Glove. You know know he's deserved it for so many years because he's been so good but every year, it just seems like there's that one guy that just kind of comes out of nowhere, puts up some ridiculous numbers, and ends up stealing it. And eventually, hopefully, like Lorenzo Kane, he'll end up winning one. Um, oh. So maybe that can be at some point in the future here. But uh, yeah, and I think it also says a lot you know, with what you're saying about the clubhouse chemistry and, and the players. You know, seeing the players' reactions on social media, you know, Rowdy Telez giving him the ice bath after getting 5'64", uh, um, and just what the players think of him and, and the things that they say about him and how he totally has their respect and, and their love and, and admiration uh, in that clubhouse. So, you know, whatever struggles happen on the field, Craig Council, I mean, Craig Council has pretty much seen it all on a ba- on a baseball field. I mean, with his 16-year playing career, Um, he's been in all different types of situations. He's been in world series situations. He's been a, a bench player. He's been, you know, all these different kinds of things. So he's seen it all from, from that perspective and he's able to communicate with his guys, relate to his guys, no matter what situation uh, they find themselves in on the depth chart on the roster. Um, and that really kind of helps so much as a manager, um, getting the the respect in the clubhouse and and getting the most out of your guys um, and getting them to buy into to what you're saying. So you know it's great to see that from him. Um, and it, it's it's great to see him finally reach you know that that number after that long like that eight game losing streak felt like mm-hmm. sixteen like it, it felt like forever.
1: Yeah, it really did. Um and for those who aren't aware just by the way, um the end of the Brewers game is happening, so if we take any awkward pauses, that's going to be why. Um Yep, and which means we just saw the play happen at home that yep. had an unfortunate ending. Um but anyway, so that is happening right now. Um yeah, and and you think of, again you know i mentioned earlier that yeah uh, craig's had a bunch of talent on that team he has also squeezed a lot of talent out of some players um that you know don't necessarily you wouldn't necessarily see in a starting lineup in some other teams or you know maybe would be more bench players or maybe you know he works with what he's given and is still able to field a winning team. And you know what, I'm sure a lot of that goes to David Stearns. He's able to identify the talent and give it to um, Craig Council. But I mean, it still it speaks a lot to what Council's able to do to continuously put a winning product on the field. That is just what he does. And it doesn't happen by accident when it happens four years in a row.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a trend. You know, it, it's something that uh, he has proven time and again um, to, to be that guy. And, um, you know, being that hometown dude, you know, growing up around uh, Milwaukee, his dad working for the Brewers, um, you know, being a Brewers player. You know, that's something that, you know, just kind of provides that extra level, I, I think, for Craig Council to want to win here and to do everything he can to to win. Not that anyone else wouldn't have that, but you know, like like let, let's compare him to like like just saying to the predecessor, Ron Renicki. You know, prior to coming here, he had no special connection to the Brewers. You know, if they won or lost, I mean, it's it's more a job for mm. a guy like Ron Reneke, Like like that's just kind of you know what it is. It's just yeah, it's a, it's a job. You know, it's a manager gig in Major League Baseball. Like that's cool and all, but like that's this is just currently where I am um but for council this is like the destination like like this is a culmination like this is more than just a job for him and that you know really just kind of comes out in in how he handles his team yeah
1: absolutely and it, it just it makes it so much sweeter when it's a hometown guy who ends up breaking the record like not just sweeter for him sweeter for fans like it's It's just so much cooler to see that happen for it. You know, would we be as happy about any beloved um, manager? Sure. But to be an actual Wisconsin guy, it just, uh, and then there goes the end of the game. Um, Just makes it so much better. But obviously, as we have just seen in tonight's game, uh, he will not be moving on to win 565 tonight.
0: Nope. Nope. We're going to have to push that off for another day. You know, things got so bad during this losing streak. How bad did they get? Things <laughs> got so bad that uh, when, I, when I'm when i on Twitter and I go to, you know, add a GIF to uh, my tweets, under my frequently used, typically the first one is the Spongebob victory screech. Naturally. But... As we got towards the end there of, of that losing streak, the victory screech was not, and it was not my top most frequently used. Oh, That's God. how bad it was. That's how long it had been since since I had since I was able to use the victory screech. Which one so, actually was it? Uh, I forget what it was, but it was it was not the SpongeBob victory screech. So. That was very upsetting, and I don't get to use it again tonight, so I was probably gonna you know, end up falling back down. So,
1: well, we got the Reds
0: to. Uh, we got the to- yeah, the Reds. They they should be able to beat up beat up on them. Yeah, exactly. Even on the road. Sign Eric Thames, get him into the lineup, yeah. and uh, have him have him hit against Cincinnati. That'll work. Maybe it'll maybe it'll keep uh, Christian Yelch going. I feel like we we should talk some Christian Yelch. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, Christian Yelch is heating up. All right. He has been put into the leadoff spots. Um, I believe we talked about that last week. And uh, since then, he's been thriving, Matt. He's on a nine game hitting streak now. I uh, just had a home run uh, here on Thursday. And, you know, he's seeing that kind of confidence come back up a little bit. It's a position, you know, he's just kind of focusing on getting on base. He's not he's not looking to to do damage to to hit for power. But he's ending up getting some. He's got two home runs now since being moved to the leadoff spot. And he's hitting, I believe, uh, I saw from Will Salmon, 389 uh, over this nine-game hitting streak.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, nine-game hitting streak, um, eight-game hitting streak while in leadoff spot because that first game was when he was still at the three-hole uh, position. He has runs now in uh, six of those eight games since being in the leadoff spot and that's something you want from your leadoff guy is to be scoring obviously and like you mentioned a couple home runs in there as well um two home runs all the rest singles so um but all that matters is he gets on base um so at this point you have to continue riding with him there uh will salmon had a report that colton wong is targeting saturday for his return obviously we don't know if that's actually going to be the case until it actually happens Um, But that's what he's targeting. And at that point, they should absolutely continue to roll with Jelic in the leadoff spot. It's working for the team. It's working for Jelic. It's producing results. You keep rolling with it. If at some point he magically turns into old Jelic and you want to flip him back down to the three hole, fine. But for now, keep him there if he is still producing. Um, I actually wouldn't mind if they ended up dropping long all the way to ninth and ended up having him be that leadoff guy at the bottom of the order type situation. Mm-hmm. And then you basically have Yelich as both a leadoff guy and a run producer potentially um, by being able to, you know, hopefully knock in Wong if Wong gets on base. Uh, but it is suiting him right now. And there is no reason to take him out of that spot until, you know, it stops working.
0: Yeah. And it continues to work, you know, with that hitting streak and, even having some power show up. So yeah, keep him there. He's getting on ahead of Adamas, ahead of Tellez. Um, So that's something that you really kind of just like to see. And really just kind of get it started. Get the ball rolling. Uh, get his confidence back in and back into a groove. It's going to take more than a nine-game hitting streak to get him back into a groove. Um, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that he needs. Um, I don't even know if he knows what he needs specifically. Mm-hmm. But just keep him there. It's working, like you said. And just get that confidence up, get him feeling like an MVP again. I mean, you hear his self talk so much how it's like, oh I suck right now, and like all this other stuff, and you know, mostly negative self talk. It's like, okay, well, we kinda really don't want that. Like, that's not good. Like back when you're on back when you're on top of your game, you were never talking like that. So, you know, we need to get you back to that. So, yeah, anything to kinda build up that confidence, get him feeling Feeling good, although I'm sure the strikeout to end the game here on Thursday uh, isn't helping. But there's only so much you can do in that situation facing Edwin Diaz. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Diaz is certainly no pushover um, as a closer there out in New York. Um, and, and you mentioned the confidence. Like, that's exactly something that is great to continue rolling with with when it comes to Yelich and this lead-off position. Uh it's it's just hard to imagine like yes he has the self-deprecating humor um but he's, he always seems to say that he's working through it but it's just hard not to imagine that when you're you know not seeing the results that you don't start to lose a little bit of confidence uh, the best of professional athletes run into that situation here and there so if something like this a uh, you know continuous hitting streak is something that builds the confidence then don't take that away. <laughs> Keep it going. Keep him in that spot. Um, Colton Wong can be useful in other areas. Do Roll with it that way. So, um, I mean, yeah, it ended up in a loss tonight. But, I mean, the Brews scored four. It's right around where you want them to be. You score that much, you're usually going to have decent results. Um, they just, you know, they had an unfortunate Uh, end to Aaron Ashby's outing. And then obviously, you know, Suter gives up the one. Um, But a lot of times you score four runs, you're going to be fine. So in general, outside of that first uh, Mets game, the Brewers offense had been showing more signs of life. It's the starting pitching that needs to kind of reel itself back in. So if you can keep getting offensive results, keep going with what's working, Um, That pitching will come back into form, especially once you start getting some of these guys back.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good thing that you raised there with Ashby, and I feel like we need to talk about that now. So Aaron Ashby uh, left Thursday's game here with left forearm tightness. And that is not good news. I mean, leaving a game early with an injury is is obviously never good news at all. But forearm tightness, Is a problem. Uh, Forearm tightness has generally been the precursor to elbow issues. If you start feeling it in the forearm, some tightness in there, that's generally, historically, has been a sign that there is something deeper that's a problem within the elbow. And that could be a very major problem, especially for um, I mean, the future of Ashby and, and his role in the next few years and, and the future of the Brewers and their rotation. I mean, Ashby is supposed to be the guy who's supposed to slot right in here. Mm-hmm. You know, Peralta went out, Ashby slots right into that rotation, and he's going to be a guy going forward in that group. And, you know, if he's out for an extended period of time, now obviously this just happened as we're recording this podcast, so we don't fully know what a timetable would look like, but just historically forearm tightness uh, you have to be extremely cautious with that, and that could um, lead to some more issues with this uh, rotation, who's already down Peralta. They've been down Woodruff. Woodruff is on the mend and should be coming back fairly soon. But you lose Ashby as well, and then, I mean, this you're looking at Burns, Lauer, and Hauser. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I by Jason but Alexander. Jason Alexander, come on now. Yeah, I can't Jason forget Alexander this. broke the losing streak.
0: of Of your original starting rotation, like you're left looking at Burns, Lauer, and Hauser.
1: Yes, yes, no, you're right. Yeah, uh, no, no, no bueno. Um, and Hauser, he's been getting roughed up a little bit lately. Lauer's been kind of up and down. Um, when I wrote the article yesterday, giving the injury updates on Wong and Woodruff. Um I think it was 566 six was the starters ERA for the month of June. Oof. I believe that's what it was. <laughs> that's that is not what you expected going into this year for a team that was built around starting pitching. Like that's that's not going to cut it especially when your offense is riding the struggle bus a little bit. So those guys are going to have to step it step it up. A guy like Jason Alexander is going to have to step it up. And if Aaron Ashby does end up missing some time, because of this, which he likely will, forearm tightness almost always results in missed time, Ethan Small might have to step up a little bit. We might end up seeing him again sometime soon to have to fill in, depending on the the update on Brandon Woodruff was that he's going to get a rehab start in Nashville this weekend and then another one in Wisconsin. So he's still a ways away. I mean, you're looking at probably 10-ish days Maybe a little bit more than that. Um, you're, you're, if Ashby misses time, you're going to need a spot starter. Um, so maybe we end up seeing uh, Small again and see where he's progressed since the last time we saw him. But give me Caleb Bosley. Give, give me
0: the pride of Hortonville, the UWL <laughs> Eagle. Call up Bos.
1: That's what we need. I, I would, I, we'd all love to see Bos, but of course, Bos isn't already on the roster. That's the only problem.
0: But Neither we, was Jason Alexander so before, before this. Neither before. was Ethan, Ethan Small before this.
1: Or we could go with T.T. Gonzalez.
0: Uh, <laughs> you, you know, Matt, I'd rather take my chances uh, with Boz. Um, I'd
1: rather take my chances with Josh Lindbloom, friend of the podcast. That was not supposed to be a slight on Josh Lindblom. He's actually been solid this year.
0: Um, yeah. That is... He just good. had his birthday the other day, by the way. Happy 35th yeah. birthday, Josh Lynn Bloom.
1: And he had a very good uh, outing that day as well. Yeah, six innings, I think. Did well. Um, yeah, I believe so. Uh, and only gave up one, I think. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's how far down the roster I would start going. But uh, Gonzalez is already on the 26th man, so there is that. But if Ashby ended up going on the aisle, you got to call up a guy anyway. Um I don't know. I just hope they would go with smaller someone in AAA, not Gonzalez. Smaller Boz. Good. Boz, Lindblom, Tyler Herb. I,
0: anyway, Thomas Jenkins. I think he's there.
1: Tom, Tom, Tommy Jenkins.
0: You got yeah, File and Bettinger. That there. That are still there. They're off the forty man now, but
1: um, true. I just Gonzalez has not. He has not been very solid for. A while now, I, I my my thought on him, and we haven't actually even talked about him on the podcast. So um, for anyone who didn't notice, surprise, uh, the Brewers claimed Chi-Chi Gonzalez off waivers from the Twins a couple days ago, and then added him to the 26-man roster when Freddy Peralta was transferred to the 60-day IL. There, you're caught up. Um, but he get. has not been super awesome for the last few years now. I envision him being in some sort of you know long relief role similar to what Jose Urania was, although Jose Urania did end up having to make a spot start at one point so and how did that go Matt? not great not, not great. I think it, what do he last two three innings? yeah, something like that. yeah
0: so it, very forgettable tenure Jose Urania. Yeah,
1: which is kind of what I assumed Gonzalez would end up being. Once all is said and done this year, but who knows, we'll see what happens. It also depends on turns through the rotation and all that stuff, both up top and at triple we have a, the brewers have a off day on Monday. So they've got some time to figure things out. Theoretically, they could shorten up the rotation a little bit and, you know, they've got options coming up here. Um, but no bueno, not, 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 not good to have yet another starter go down.
0: Yeah, no, never, never a good time, especially considering this team was built on the strength right. of its starting pitching. Uh, mm-hmm. So you lose that. What does this team have? A bullpen? <laughs> like, well, yeah. Aaron barely. Williams and Hater. I mean, that's a hell of a duo in the bullpen. By the way, also, congratulations to the haters. Uh, Josh and Maria, birth of the their baby boy, Lucas Hader. Um, oh,
1: I never saw that name. Nice.
0: Yeah, it was on uh, it was on Instagram. I'm, I'm not sure if you follow uh, Maria Maria Hader on Instagram, but she posted that earlier today. Lucas Alexander Hader, uh, born yesterday, born on the 15th. Um, yeah, cute little cute little nug.
1: I saw. I like that. It, Nate, baby names seem to be kind of becoming normal ones again. Not a lot yeah. of Bradens and. Yeah. Uh, Rumor
0: has it uh, this kid already has a 90 mile an hour fastball, <laughs> um, and he's got a wicked slider. So, uh, but he's got he's yeah.
1: got a while till he's gonna build up that flow though.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I might have to wait that a little bit area. for that one. But uh, in the uh, 2040 MLB draft, uh, we'll be looking for him in the first round. So we got that to look forward to. Heck yeah. Speaking of first rounders Bryce Terang gonna (laughs) switch gears here Uh, Bryce Terang I I had I had an article go up on the site uh, earlier this past week about him and what do the Brewers do with him Uh, you know is he going to be a contributor to this team uh, going forward or is he going to be used as trade bait we're obviously coming up on the trade season trade deadline uh, coming up about what six weeks away Uh, The Brewers are going to be buyers despite the losing streak. Yes, I know they're losing right now, but they're going to be buyers at the deadline. So that means you're going to be trading away prospects in order to help your big league club. So one of the biggest prospects the Brewers have is Bryce Terang. He is close to big league ready. He is blocked at shortstop by Willie Adamas. So with Adamas here for the next several years and uh, no real obvious spot for him at shortstop, do the Brewers consider trading him in order to upgrade the offense elsewhere, wherever they feel they need it, center field, um, first base, wherever they want to go? Um, so I have my article dive into it. Um, but before I get into uh, what I was saying there, Matt, what, what do you think on on Terang? What, what do you think they should do with him?
1: Um, I, spoiler alert everyone, um, agree with David's take on this one. And so, which means I'm about to tell you what David's take on this one was. Um, and I tend to believe that the Brewers end up keeping him. And it, like you mentioned in the article, a lot of it does hinge on what their plans for Colton Wong are going to end up being. Um, they do have an option to be able to keep him after this year. Uh, it's, it's a little pricey. I don't, what was the uh, the dollar amount on the option? $10 million. $10 million. Okay. That's a lot for a second baseman. For a second baseman who doesn't necessarily give you a ton of offense, gave you stellar defense last year, gave you... has given you above average gave, gave good offense
0: last positions. year. What, but that? not so much this year.
1: Y- exactly. Um, so, you know, generally is going to give you very good defense. Um, Bryce Terrain... <clears throat> Is probably not, hopefully not, going to be a huge step down in terms of offense if you put him in there, because again, Wong isn't, you know, that above average to start with, and is probably going to hold his own, close to as well as Wong does defensively, because Terang is a very, very good defender. He has gotten props really for the last few years since being in the organization for how smart he is as a defender out there in the field. So. I feel like if you go from Wong to Terang, I'm not saying that it's just going to be a one-for-one replacement, um, but there's probably not a huge drop-off, but there is a significant savings in money that you can then invest elsewhere um, in the lineup to try and maybe bring in some more offense. So um, that's what I tend to believe, and from what I read from your article, you believe the same, correct? Absolutely, I do. So. Because, you know, I've seen some it's like,
0: oh, it depends on, you know, if they view, you know, Adamus as, as a guy they can sign to a contract extension. I don't think, you know, Tereng's future depends that much on Adamus. Obviously, his right. position does. Um, but Adamus is not going anywhere. They're keeping him at the very least until uh, he reaches free agency. Um, we'll see if they can sign him to a long-term extension, but that's a whole different kind of conversation. And one they don't really need to worry about right now when it comes to Terang, because Terang does have that versatility where he can play second base. Mm-hmm. And with Wong, you know, he can be a free agent at the end of the year, play or a club option for next season at $10 million. And, you know, coming into the year, I assumed like, oh, that's going to be an easy call to pick up that option a- after the season that he had last year. If he puts up another season like that, easy call mm-hmm. to, to pick that up. But, He's not having that kind of season. His defense has regressed. uh, His offense has regressed. And because of that, and and the production that he's putting up now, I don't think that can justify a $10 million salary for next season, especially when you have a guy like Terang right there. You know, Wong is a guy who gets on base a lot. You know, he hits for a relatively high average generally, doesn't have too much power, uh, but he gets on base. Good leadoff hitter type of guy. Bryce Terang is pretty much the same. He hits for a pretty high average, doesn't have much power, uh, but he gets on base. And when we were down there in Nashville, we saw him have a five for five game. I mean, that's you'll love to see it. I mean, I think only two of them are doubles and one of them was lost in the lights. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. he was on base, you know, and that's really the important thing for him. So. You know, I think you can easily put Terang in there at second base to start next season. You know, maybe get him a cup of coffee here towards the end of the season, get him some experience and go into next year, let Wong go and bring Terang up. And that way you have Terang at league minimum and Mm -hmm. that saves you essentially. $10 $10 million once you were paying to Wong and you can use that money for other upgrades around the roster, whether that be center field, whether that be first base, whether that be, um, catcher, you know, wherever you want to go or even, you know, giving raises to your current players in arbitration, because they're going to have to do that. They're going to clear money there. Um, and then you can roll forward with terrain because, In order for the Brewers to remain competitive through the end of this window, they have to have a flexible payroll. They need the prospects to come up and take key spots Mm -hmm. while they're cheap because you got guys like Burns and Woodruff and Hader and Adamas and Urias and Lauer and Hauser and Tellez you got all these guys going through arbitration and they're going to be getting big time raises. And in order to afford those raises, plus get your supplemental free agents and really kind of build the strongest roster possible. You need to have a couple of starters, a couple of regular performers on those inexpensive league minimum salaries such as a guy like Bryce Tarang at second base, making league minimum. Um, that's something that the Brewers are really going to need going forward. They need that farm system to produce. That's what's made things really so tough the last couple of years for the Brewers. They have not been able to have much produce from their farm system, at least in terms of position players. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that they have produced is Keston Hira, and Keston Hira is, extreme, right. is struggling extremely to hit the ball right now. Um, at least against left-handed pitchers. Against righties, he's doing fine, and he always has done fine against righties. He's done far better against righties and lefties, but it's just been so bad uh, with lefties now, and it's it, it's it's been so tough to to watch um, for him sometimes. So they need to find a way to to get those bats up and not screw up these bats, and have them produce at a very cheap salary in order to help keep the payroll healthy and flexible enough to build a complete roster all the way around. Because when you have the, the core guys making as much money as, as Eric Lauer, Corbin Burns, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Willie Adamas, you know, as those guys are going to, you need some cheap players to fill out that roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And uh, just to, before I forget about it, so you mentioned earlier the positional flexibility when it comes to Terrain, that is something you 100% don't get from Colton Wong. You play second base. That's it. You play second. You're not shuffling him around the infield, which means you have a little bit less or fewer options, I should say, when it comes to the lineup. With Terrain, if Arias, or not Arias, Adamas does have to sit a game. You don't necessarily have to shift Arias over to shortstop, a position that he has struggled at defensively. You can shift um, Terang to his more natural spot. Um, And then potentially Arias fills in at second or a Mike Brasso, since you'll have him after this year. Uh, They've also started giving Terang some time in center field. So, you know, maybe you've got some pinch running options there or some rotations that you end up going through you there are plenty of benefits that come from uh, going with Terang over Wong one of those actually as well being and not to say that he necessarily ends up in a leadoff role per se um, but the speed Um, he hasn't they haven't really unleashed him on the base paths this year but he's shown in the past that Bryce Terang can steal some bases when he wants to so maybe you get to use him as a little bit of a threat there Um, something that like, Wong will steal every once in a while, but not super often. So, um, it, you get a lot of options by bringing up Terang, but to speak more to what you were kind of saying at the end there, yes, um, you need to have guys that you are paying cheap contracts to. And I, and I hate to use the word cheap, but really, I mean, let's not be. what it is, yeah. Cheap contracts to, um, so that you can filter some of that money elsewhere and that's exactly what would happen if you went from Wong to Terang in the second pace position for 2023. So it makes way more sense to keep him around than to use him as a trade asset.
0: Right, you know, that looking at the long-term picture there that that definitely is the uh, the way to go, but really I mean when it comes down to this trade deadline and you know what what they're looking to do cuz you're going to need to find some offense somewhere whether they're looking at center field or, you know, second base or first base or wherever, whatever position they're looking at, DH even, uh, you're going to have to give up some prospects uh, to get there. So which prospects, and, you know, if you want a good one, like an impact bat, which, of course, we all do because that would really help, you're going to have to give up some decent prospects. So who from that group of top prospects would they be willing to to give up? You have to give up something. You know, if we're not giving up Terrain, then do you look at a guy like Ethan Small? No, they're not gonna do that with their starting pitching depth currently. I don't see them trading Joey Weimer either, the way he's been hitting. Um, and you know, frankly, I think he's the right fielder of the future. Um Jackson Churio keeps on moving up there, not trading him. He is staying right where he is. Other than that, Sal Frelick, Garrett Mitchell, might be the guys who could get you something. I, like those guys, you know, one of them is supposed to be your center fielder of the future. It may end up being Chirillo, but he's going to be a little bit further away. Right. Um. You know, Frelick and, and Mitchell should be able to help out far sooner. Um. But other than that, you know, who would you be willing to give up? Hefferson Cuero, mm. you know, Tyler Black, you know, would those guys get you as much? as you know freddy zamora would, would they get you as much as a guy like bryce terang would right no i would think terang would would be able to would be worth more in a trade mm-hmm. to to whatever team is is uh, the brewers are dealing with just because i mean he's, he's closer than those other guys um with the exception of small but he's closer to the big leagues than them and he does play shortstop like that that's a premium position that teams are looking for
1: yeah yeah it really and some of a lot of this will depend on you know once it comes to trade deadline time what are the teams you are looking to deal with and what are their needs so you know if if shortstop second base is a heavy need for a team and that's what it is to get the job done you know there's we're not saying there's a zero chance they trade him by any means because you know, if you do move on from him but still want to move on from Wong, well, maybe then you move Urias over to second and come up with a plan for third. Um, there, there's d- different ways that you can still work through it. Um, it just makes a lot of sense to retain Bryce Tarang for the future. Um, but again, le- like I said, like this is all really going to come down to what are the teams that you're dealing with. Um, what are you willing to give up? What are your plans for the future when it does come to a Willie Adamas? Maybe the Brewers are already figuring they're not going to extend Willie Adamas. Well, then you maybe want to keep around Bryce Tarrang to be the heir apparent. Um, I'm sure they've got all these different scenarios. Um, David Stearns is doing Pepe Sylvia math up on the wall to figure <laughs> out what all different directions he could go with this team. Um, they, they've got plans and they've got multiple plans, plan A, plan B, plan C. Um, it just, it, it seems like we're on the same page that one of those, the smartest plans is keeping Bryce Trang around.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. And, um, you know, when it comes to the deadline, you know, who, who are you going to give up? You know, it, it depends. And, you know, especially with, you know, long-term control. Um, that's, that's something you look at with these trade targets, like a guy like Andrew Benatendi, uh, you know, he can be a really good impactful bat to help the team, but he's a rental. Mm -hmm. So his acquisition cost is going to be much lower than a guy who's, who's has say a year and a half of control Mm -hmm. or two years or, or two and a half years of control, whatever it is. Um, so that certainly plays into it as well. I'm not sure how many long-term uh, solutions the brewers are looking for. Obviously, they do like um, you know, extended control uh, when it comes to acquiring some of these players. But when it comes to the trade deadline, you also could be a lot more willing to just kind of deal with rentals and uh, just kind of get them to help out. Especially if these are positions where you have young guys uh, coming up in your farm system they are going to be ready to take over fairly soon. Um, we had another article up on the site this past week about, uh, from our contributor, uh, Josh Waldock uh, talking about the offenses struggles and whether or not they can be fixed. And that's something that a lot of people have been asking, uh, pretty much all season, uh, as, as the brewers get, you know, every time the brewers get shut out, it's like, Oh my goodness, this offense is, is terrible. How do we fix it? I mean, the, the easy answer is, Christian Yelch hitting for a 1,000 OPS again, uh, that would help a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not uh, that that may not be in the cards, Matt.
1: Yeah. It, it, it would be nice if there was just a button Craig Council could press and be like, oh, this is what fixes the offense? Beep. There we go. Or just be like, hey, guys, do this differently. And they go, okay, and just – do those things and all of a sudden the offense is magically better, but that's not necessarily how it works. Um, I, I, you know, I've seen all kinds of suggestions out there from the brewers need to hit it in the air more, or the brewers need to hit it in the air less, or the brewers need to swing more often, or the brewers need to swing, be more selective because they're striking out too often. And there's, there's a lot out there. Um, Josh kind of, uh, led into some trends. The Brewers do hit the ball hard pretty consistently. They're up, they rank up there in barrels. Um, but hard hits don't always mean anything if they're not going to the right places. Um, or if they're not, you know, in play or, you know, uh, they don't lead to the correct outcomes essentially. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's hard for me. It's everyone just needs to be freaking healthy. Like, it, it's yeah. it's really hard for me to pass judgment on the offense as a whole when we haven't seen the regulars in this lineup together for an extended period of time for a while. I mean, even once we got this last group back, um, Adamas and Narvaez and Renfro off the IL and then Urias just generally back in the lineup, Wong went out. So you still mm-hmm. didn't quite have that same mix of players from the beginning of the year. Um, back in the lineup together. But even with most of those guys back and Wong out now, you still see that offense looking better than it did during a lot of times during that eight-game losing streak where you were rolling out lineups that included Alex Jackson and Pablo Reyes and um, Jason Peterson and Lorenzo Cain. There were some some brutal lineups that they ended up having to go with. Um, Until I see... Everyone, your main starters in the lineup, together for a while. It'll be hard for me to say, you know, this is what the offense is doing wrong because otherwise you're basically saying this is what the backups are doing wrong. You know,
0: like it
1: it, it, it's it's been an issue, and I feel like things are looking better because we're starting to get those regulars back, but we're not quite back to 100% full strength yet. Once we do, then I can be like, okay, these are the trends that I feel safe to say, you know, are hindering our, our team or whatnot. But it's just, it's, it's hard for me to um, really analyze that at this point. Yeah,
0: there, there was a stat or, or tweet or something I saw earlier this week. Like, the Brewers have only had, like, Urias, Adamas, mm-hmm. um, Narvaez, Renfro, and Wong, like, all healthy together for, like, four games mm-hmm. this season, and they went 4-0 in those yep. games. So, like, maybe we get all those guys healthy um, and just kind of playing in, a li- in the lineup regularly. Maybe this offense can do something, and this and mm-hmm. this team can win some games and go on a nice winning streak. That, that would be fun.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that, that'd be up oh, good. We also need to get our starters back healthy, too, or at least yes. most of them. Um, because again, like, like now we're we're focusing, you know, zeroing in on the offense, which is the subject you brought up. So naturally, that's why we're doing that. Um, but those starters, that's what the team was actually built around. So need to have a, you know, good core of starting pitching, going strong, performing at the very least at their like average level before we can evaluate this team as a whole as well. So it's just there's there's so many injuries that they're still dealing with, and it's easy to forget about that sometimes when the losses start piling up and you just get frustrated with no runs being put on the board and more losses in the loss column. You have to have perspective sometimes and realize what the reality of that team is. And the reality of that team for the last few weeks really was they were banged up. They were very, very banged up, and they continue to be.
0: Yeah, bang, banged up and on the third straight three-city right. road trip.
1: And the Brewers are just not built like a team like the Dodgers. No team is, let's be honest, to yeah. where you can just lose half your starting lineup and your backups are still talented enough to just continue carrying you. That is not something you should expect out of basically any team in the league You when you lose that much talent, that much talent that you planned to be – your main starters so it's like i said it's easy to forget the reality of the situation but that's what it was for the brewers and you can only use it as an excuse for so long should it result in eight straight losses probably not but just it just need to kind of just calm for a second think about what the team actually looks like and go, okay, well, perhaps when we get some of these guys back, maybe that's when things start looking back to normal again. But Matt, I want to be angry on Twitter. I now, know. But,
0: uh, I can send a tweet, you know, angrily, just meh. But there are, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 players currently on IL, two players suspended for PEDs, and Josh yeah. Hader on the paternity list. Uh, we could be uh, heading towards 11 players on the I.L., depending on what happens with Aaron Ashby here. So, yeah, keep that in mind as you evaluate uh, this Brewers roster. Um, I, I kind of want to switch gears here, kind of move ahead a little bit You know, as, as we're talking about the offense and, and how to fix it. Um I want to move ahead to essentially this this upcoming offense. What 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 do we do like like how can we revamp this offense um in the offseason? Because you know even with you know getting guys healthy and things like that, you know we've had struggles uh the past couple of years. Um you know they they need that kind of uh, elite batter or they need kind of something to really kind of change things around moving forward. So I think they're going to need to make some changes uh, to this group this offseason, and, you know, some fairly significant ones. I mean, Omar Narvaez is going to reach free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do there? What, what do you do at catcher? And then you've got Lorenzo Kane who's most likely going to be retiring. He's at the end of his contract. Um, speaking of, Lorenzo Kane got hit in the nuts uh, during the game <laughs> on Thursday here. Um, yes, he did. Just RIP uh, to... Lorenzo Cain. Um, and he's already his, got three kids. He's good. His, yeah, he's already got three kids. Uh, it doesn't sound like he wanted a fourth anyways, but, um, well, I guess that might just be guaranteed now.
1: <laughs>
0: it was, uh, he, like, it that ball was hit hard off the bat. Uh, came in on one hop and just hopped up right in there and caught him where... Yeah. No man wants to be caught. Matt, you, me, every single man, every single person with a Y chromosome Mm -hmm. saw that and instantly flinched and grimaced in pain.
1: Uh, It was not good. No, no, we've we've all been there. We've all been there, unfortunately. So you can physically feel that on the inside and the fact that he was able to finish that play too. I mean, very awkwardly finished that play. I
0: need to take a knee. Ugh.
1: Yeah. Um. Props to him for that. Cause I might've just dropped to the straight to the ground on that one. Ugh. That one, that one came in hot. Yeah. Oof.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so Lorenzo Cain, uh, he's going to be done after this. Andrew McCutcheon is going to be a free agent. Um, so, Kane's 18, $18 million salary gone. Kutch's $8.5 million salary gone. Um, I think they dropped Wong. I, I think they declined his option. His $10 million uh, option gone. Although he has a $2 million buyout, so really it's an $8 million decision. Um, so, that opens up a couple of spots. DH spot open, second base open. I think Terang is going to take that. Um, center field. You got Freelick, you got Mitchell down in the minors, you got Tyrone Taylor, you know, we'll see what he's able to do, how much they stick with them. They could try for an upgrade there. You know, maybe they trade Freelick or Mitchell at the deadline, you know, something like that. Um, One thing that I would also potentially throw out there, I know he just had a a good night tonight, um, but I could potentially see this happening. Maybe they trade Hunter Renfro for his final season. Because you know he's already at like seven some million dollars in arbitration. He's probably going to be around ten million or so next year. Um, so you trade him, can get some help elsewhere on the roster, either at center field, at at second base, at first base, catcher, wherever you want to go, and put Joey Weimer out in right field. Joey Weimer's essentially Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I mean he's got a cannon for a throwing arm. I mean we've seen that all throughout the minors. Uh, he can hit bombs like Renfro can hit for for a pretty good average and he can steal more bases than Renfro. Mm-hmm. So and he'd be a league minimum. Yep. Sure so would. you'd say about so you'd save close to nine ten million dollars there. Um that you can spend on either another player or for a Corbin Burns contract extension. Just gonna put that out there. Um until Mark Atnazio finally does it. So You know, maybe that could be something that that you do. You drop Wong, trade Renfro, replace them with Terang and Weimer, and you got two productive guys on league minimum salaries taking up a couple of spots in the lineup. And with all that money freed up between Wong, Renfro, Kane, and McCutcheon, you can upgrade those other spots on the offense. You know, you, you can make an upgrade in center field, or you can make an upgrade at catcher, or you can make an upgrade at at first base, even if you wanted to, you know, we'll see what happens with Rowdy Teles, But, you know, you got plenty of different places you can go and some room to to wiggle around. And that seems like the kind of area that David Stearns would really kind of thrive in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I hadn't actually even considered the potential of trading Renfro. But I, I think there's a strong argument to be made there, especially considering with Joey Weimer, you could see him at the big league level next year. It might not be to start next year, but if he hits AAA at some point this season and looks decent, maybe he starts at AAA again next year and ends up in the big leagues. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility for that to happen at all. They need to lock in center field. Garrett Mitchell hasn't shown that he can be healthy yet. I, I think we saw some nice things from him early last season, but since then it's been, you know, just stints on the injured list, basically. Sal Freelick, I think, needs some time. Jurio's obviously a couple years out because he's just so damn young. You know, we we don't know. He's looking fantastic, but he's it's also low A. We don't know what's going to happen once he gets past that. Um, it's going to be a while, I think, till some of these guys, unless you were to put Joey Weimer in center until one of the other guys is ready, I 100% agree that right field is a more natural position. makes a lot, lot more sense. Um, but unless you were to do something crazy like that, you've got to figure something out for center, center field. Make a big splash move. Make a big signing. Someone who you can actually put some of that money that you've freed up towards who can handle that position for a couple of years. I think Tyrone Taylor – he flashed for a little bit this year but he's kind of, is the same thing last year we saw the, the things with him where you know he would look super impressive and we go yeah Tyrone Taylor there he goes finally but then he kind of settles back into you know his average outfielder kind of profile and i feel like he's done that a bit more lately again so I, i'm I, i'm not comfortable saying let him just have it for a year next year and see what happens you need production out of there and it's been missing since 2018, really. I mean, in center field to have a, you know, a strong, strong center fielder, it's been that long since we've had one there. So um, that's such an important position to have an impact player from. Figure that out, Uh, pass that if we're talking offense, I wouldn't mind them making a, a big move for either of the corners on the infield. Um, you know, if they decide that Rowdy Telez isn't quite going to be that, you know, Prince Fielder air type guy that you would really like to have there, if they decide to go with you know someone a little more classically third base profiled there, um, I wouldn't mind them taking a look at those positions. At catcher, it's been nice to have offensive minded catchers, but I honestly would be fine moving forward with a tandem next year of. Caratini and Feliciano, and I'm not just saying that because Feliciano's my boy, Mario. Um, But that's another uh, example of a guy you would have at a very cheap contract as your second catcher, Um, as opposed to you know bringing Narvaez back and then keeping Caratini because you've still got him uh, uh, in arbitration next year. That could potentially be an expensive uh, catching position that you're not. It's not like you're getting JT Realmuto you know, mm-hmm. production or Salvador Perez production out of. You're getting decent production. Don't get me wrong, Omar is also my boy, is hitting well this year. Um, it's not like he's putting up 2018 Christian Yelich numbers. I would be good rolling with uh, Caratini since he is a switch hitter. You could combo him with literally anyone. Um, and his splits are not that different from lefty to righty. So he can now be your left-handed option with Feliciano coming in as your right-handed option. Um, and then go with some sort of combo there. And again, free up some money. Unfortunately, it means let Narvaez walk, but free up some money as well for some of the other positions. But catcher, not catcher, center field, and possibly corner infield would be the two main focuses that I would want them to look at this uh, offseason.
0: Yeah, and with um, you know Luis Arias being uh, what he is at third base, I think, I think he should be able to lock down third base for the foreseeable future. Especially considering the struggles he has a shortstop and, you know, Willie Adams being Willie Adams, you know, like, you could put him at, like, you could put Urias at second base, um, but like, Terang fits much better over there. Terang does not really fit third base well. Um, and you don't really have any other third base options in the system other than Jace Peterson and that's not a long-term option. Um, but that is a, a conversation for another time. Uh, <laughs> So, um, I think that's a I think it's a good spot to to end it there. You know, it's been a it's been a long uh, week or so watching the Brewers, but hopefully brighter days ahead as they face Cincinnati upcoming here. That should that should get them back into the swing of things. That'd be nice. So
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah. And big announcement next week. Uh, we are going to be talking. Brewers minor leagues with Greg Young Jr., the voice of the Carolina Mudcats, because we need updates on Jackson Churio and how this dude is lighting up the Carolina League. It has been absolutely insane.
1: Yeah. This is a guy who just broke onto MLB Pipeline's top 100 uh, due to a graduation. He will not be there long. He is going to shoot up when MLB Pipeline does their midseason updates, and like we could, it, we could legitimately be talking about him already moving into the Brewers' top prospect status. Don't know if it'll happen. Baseball America hard, has
0: already put him there.
1: They have. Uh, Baseball
0: America has him mo- number forty-three on their top one hundred. Yeah. Um, well ahead of Sal Freelich and Bryce Tarang and and the other Brewers prospects, he is all the way up there into the top fifty um and there has been nothing but rave reviews mm-hmm. about Jackson Churio, um since he's been promoted to Carolina so we are going to talk to the man who has seen every single game that he has played for the Carolina Mudcats um as well as get updates on all those other big prospects down there including my boy Hedbert Perez yes, sir. uh we got to we got to talk those very interesting Carolina Mudcats team um, so that's going to be fun. That's going to be next week uh, on the Cold Brew Pod. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, that's going to be coming up. So uh, thank you for listening again to the Cold Brew Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. I am at dgasper24. Matt is at MTE Matt 13 um, And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.